Welcome to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. You can connect with me on Instagram at LeeBuff and Twitter at LeeBuff21. And don't forget to join us at this year's annual Cannabis Marketing Summit this June 7th through 9th in Denver, Colorado for two and a half days of cannabis marketing speakers, best practices and networking over three stages and an outdoor lounge in the heart of Civic Center Park. The outdoor lounge will have yard games, picnic tables, blankets. So join us to kick off summer. Today's conversation features Catherine Wolf, the Chief Marketing and Operations Officer at Malik's Premium Cannabis. Catherine Wolf is a marketer, writer, and branding specialist with a passion for helping cannabis companies grow and thrive. She started her cannabis career with the National Hydroponics Retailer and now serves as the CMO and COO of Malik's Premium Cannabis, a small batch Colorado cultivator focused on flavor first genetics. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, and today's guest is Catherine Wolf, the Chief Marketing Officer and the Chief Operations Officer for Malik's Premium Cannabis, a boutique cannabis brand based in Denver, Colorado. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Tell them um, who is Catherine? How did you get involved with this industry? Where are you based? And tell us about, a bit about the Malik's brand as well. I know I know your story um, and, and it's so exciting hearing it every time. So let's, let's tell our listeners a little bit too. For sure. So I was born and raised in Florida. I have a degree in marketing and economics from the University of Tampa. I mean, I actually started my career in kind of the marketing advertising agency setting, um, really had to focus on tech, um, but got the opportunity to work with, you know, B2B, B2C clients, all the way from kind of the startup to the enterprise level in a variety of industries. So got, you know, a lot of broad experience there, but I really wasn't super passionate about any of, you know, the brands and industries I was working with. I always knew I wanted to work in cannabis and kind of live and work in a legal rec market. Um, I've been a personal cannabis user and lover for a long time. Um, you know, marketing and branding is kind of my, my niche professionally and kind of a personal passion. Um, I've always been super fascinated by how kind of branding impacts the cannabis industry specifically. Um, so I moved to Denver. Um, I started working in the marketing department of a national growth supply retailer. Um, so I kind of got my foot in the door in a cannabis related industry learned a lot, made a lot of connections, um, but, you know, still kind of wanted to be more on the cultivation side of things, really in the industry. Um, and when I moved to Colorado, I found the Malik's brand. The pink packaging just kind of really stood out to me on the shelves. And I had a bud tender who made a really, really impactful personal recommendation, um, tried the brand, became a big fan, followed the socials, you know, just loved the brand. Um, and reached out to Malik, and it was kind of the right place, the right time. Um, and now I'm the Chief Marketing and Operations Officer of Malik's. Um, so we're a small batch cultivator based in Denver. Um, we do small batches of eight to 10 lights per strain. Everything's hand trimmed, hand packaged, slow cured. Um, so really focused on flavor and quality um, over kind of volume or anything else. So that's a little bit um, of how I got here. 
and about Malix. And I just am super excited. I feel like I'm, you know, doing what I love every day and just, you know, really passionate about being in the cannabis industry. And tell us a little bit about Malik's story, if you don't mind sharing it. He, he's been a grower for a while, right? And he wanted to start his own brand. And that was kind of the, um, the, the start of Malik's premium cannabis. Yes. So Malik has won you know, over 20 International Bolt Cannabis Cup Awards. Um, he's really passionate about seed breeding and genetics and again, kind of finding the best tasting, best quality cannabis for him to smoke himself and share with others. So it's kind of a passion project of his um, to start Malik's Premium Cannabis. And that's kind of where we're at now. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So let's talk about some marketing strategies. We know that um, small business owners, uh, particularly license holders in the cannabis space have, you know, small bar- marketing budgets. And it's a really it's fierce competition out there as far as how many products are available for consumers and patients to choose from. Um, and you, you're all adult use, right? In Colorado. Yeah. Recreational only. Okay, cool. Um, so tell us about some of the marketing strategies that you use at Malix and maybe first, actually, if you could start and just talk a little bit about the brand, I know you've got that signature pink hallmark packaging and colors that make for a really beautiful Instagram. But maybe if you could start talking about the brand and kind of the design and the inspiration behind it, and then some marketing strategies that you use to um, showcase that, that premium quality product. For sure. So at the time um, when Malik entered the legal rec market here in Colorado, he noticed there were a lot of brands doing the same colors and obviously a lot of like greens and and blues and purples and things. And there was not a single pink. Um, So that's kind of where he went with the pink packaging. And for those who are on video, um, this is what they look like right here. So we always say kind of look for the pink pack. So that's how the pink started. And we really kind of built a brand around that. And again, we get a lot of feedback from dispensary buyers and, and bud tenders and things that people are like, what's that pink? Or they ask, hey, I want that pink thing. They come in, they've seen it on Instagram. They're asking, you know, specifically for the pink. So we've really kind of created the brand around that. Um, and we really focus on education and our marketing. So we're always talking about how things are grown in smaller batches of eight to 10 lights per strain, you know, calling out that it's hand trimmed, um, that it's slow cured. What I really like to do is showcase on our Instagram, you know, the strains that are coming up, where they're kind of at in the growing process. Like, hey, this Panda Puffs is, you know, headed to the cure room for its 12-day slow cure, be on shelves soon, or, you know, this one was just planted or this one was just harvested. Um, So really kind of showcasing in a timely manner um, what's coming out, and that kind of gets the customers excited, and they're always, you know, DMing us or asking, where is the strain dropping? When is this one coming out? So kind of framing it as that exclusive kind of limited smaller batches has been super important in our marketing strategy. Um, And then again, having some of our own crosses and genetics that are a little bit more exclusive. A lot of people aren't familiar with the strains that we have already. It's not something that they're maybe seeing in every dispensary or can get a lot of places. So it's super important for us to just educate them on what the cross is, you know, what the effects are and the flavor profile is, is really the most important thing for us being flavor first. Um, So kind of shifting away, and I see this as an industry-wide trend, away from just labeling things as sativa indica hybrid or a a strain name, um, and really focusing on the terpenes, the effects, the experiences, the flavor. Um, And again, that's super important for us, not having strains that maybe everyone's already aware of. So we kind of have that extra 
you know, education that we need to do. Um, so I would say that's been super successful for us. Um, and then also really focusing more on kind of the lifestyle content, as I mentioned, kind of behind the scenes of the grow process, profiles on team members, um, you know, showcasing other brands and, and industry partners we collaborate with, kind of just, you know, having more of a variety of content, not just constantly showing product shots or trying to sell something, um, you know, showcasing our events, things like that. Um, really just kind of curating like that lifestyle and aesthetic that people really want to be a part of instead of just pushing sales. Um, I found, like you mentioned, with the you know market being so competitive, that's really what's kind of building you know the relationship with the consumer that keeps them coming back. And for those who don't know, can you explain what slow cured means? And then can you talk a little bit about uh, flavor first and how how you market that, what that means, and why that's important to your brand? Definitely. So at Malix, we really believe the curing process is super essential to the end quality of the product. You can have, you know, great genetics that were grown very well, and it can really lose the flavor and the quality in that cure process if it's not done correctly. Um, so we call it the dry room. It's, you know, humidity and temperature controlled, obviously, and, and always sealed and closed. And we slow cure our strains in there. Um, typically from 11 to 15 days, really depending on the strain and our team can kind of eye it and see, you know, if this one's ready, this one needs a few more days, um, et cetera. And that just really seals in the moisture levels correctly and the flavors correctly. And again, with what we're doing, you know, flavor first is kind of our tagline. Um, Malik and our team of growers are really selecting strains and phenos that have the best taste. They might not necessarily have the best yield. Um, or, or other qualities and every grower is looking for different things. You know, some are focused on yield, some are focused on flavor like we are um, and that's kind of what we're doing. So we really wanna make sure that all of our strains have a really solid flavor profile, they taste the best um, and that's kind of what we're doing with the flavor first and, and that's our tagline that we kind of live by with everything we do. Nice, okay, that makes sense. And then tell me a little bit about some of the strategies you use as far as education. Um, I know uh, this comes up a lot in this podcast is that education is so important in this industry because there is such a gap between what we as industry experts know and, and what the public knows if they're not, you know, they're like you in the grow every day. So how are some of the ways in which you approach education? Um, and, and let's start with that. Yeah. Instagram has been difficult. Um, you know, I've tried to go shorter and sweeter with the captions and be a little bit more concise saying words like terpenes and indica or sativa can kind of flag Instagram. So it's hard to really be clear with education and use the proper terms on that platform. So I've kind of shifted to some other platforms and response on our website. We recently relaunched and we have extensive strain profiles and photos of all of our different strains, as well as which strains are dropping which week, our event schedule, um, kind of the media articles that were featured in, things like that on our website. Um, so just trying to drive people there and really house all of the information there so we can be a little bit freer with what we want to say um, and, and not really risk things getting getting flagged or taken down. Um, also doing pop-ups at dispensaries. So we go to the dispensaries that we partner with and sell our products in. We do pop-ups. Our team is there. You know, we have display packaging and photos out and, and swag items and things and people can ask us. I mean, that's really effective because we really focus on the strains that are obviously available in that dispensary. Um, so we can really make personal recommendations of like, hey, we have this here today. If you're looking for this, I would try, you know, this strain over this strain of what, what we have here right now. 
Um, and then also just, you know, going out to industry events, um, networking with people, talking to them about our strains and things like that. Um, before COVID, we did sessions with bud tenders. We would invite um, a different dispensary staff and kind of let them try different strains and, and answer their questions. That was really effective. Um, again, the bud tender is so important in that education phase. And, you know, we've really been focusing on educating the end consumers. And now I'm really trying to shift and kind of focus and strategize on educating those bud tenders. I mean, one of the things that we've done recently is we've printed some strain postcards. So those have photos, um, our Instagram handle, kind of like a little um, quick stat, if it's an Indica Sativa, what terps are in it, kind of the flavor. And then it has a grower's take right up on the back, which is a paragraph that kind of describes the, stra the strain, you know, what it is, what it tastes like, suggested use. Um, and we place those in the boxes when we're delivering a strain to a dispensary. So, you know, when the buyer or the bud tenders open up the box to get the product, they can see that and get, you know, some additional info. And then we leave them at the register and in the waiting rooms and things of dispensaries so customers can grab those. And that kind of doubles as a really cool promotional kind of take-home souvenir collectible postcard and also that education piece. Um, so we find people kind of hang on to those, try and collect them all type of thing. Um, so that's been really effective for us, um, just giving them something they can take that isn't just a sticker or lighter or something cool. It kind of has a little bit more education on it as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think with education, well, two things. Your website is so important because it's an owned channel. It can't get shut down the way an Instagram page or Facebook page could. Um, and it allows users to get to know you and know your story a little bit better. Um, and capture things like email address and whatnot. So it's an own channel that is, you know, really important in cannabis marketing. Um, and it also extends, you know, packaging is small in this industry, in this space. And I think you and I have talked about how Colorado in particular, most of the flour is sold deli style. So it's sold in these bigger jars and the bud tenders use um, tongs basically. And, you know, then they pick out the eighth, they put it in the um, what looks like a prescription pill jar, and then they, you know, send it away with you. So the packaging space is very limited as far as what you can print for education. And also you don't really get the package until after the sale has been made. So you need to find those ways to do education, interact with the customer prior to that. So it makes sense that, you know, these bud tender, um, sessions that you're doing and the pop-ups at retailers where you're meeting that customer, you know, at the point of sale or before is really important. And I also like that you've emphasized that you recognize that the bud tender is also your customer. It's not just, you know, Lisa, the consumer, or, you know, the person off the street, it is also the bud tender who is making that recommendation. So, um, I'm glad that you brought that up. I also want to talk a little bit about partnerships. Um, so I just visited for uh, Denver for 420. I know I you guys were doing a pop-up at Cookies and I, I saw you there with some of your team and a few other brands, but I know there were some other folks with you and you do um, some collaborations with artists as well as part of uh, you know your brand, but also seems like great you know marketing strategy. And I bought one of the Malik's um, hand rolls that had the um, the Gordo scientific pieces. So can you talk a little bit about that and some of the partnerships you do? Um, and I particularly honestly talk about your hand rolls. Cause I thought that product was so cool. And, um, what you do with the, uh, the noodles. Awesome. So I'll start with the hand rolls are kind of our flagship product and they're 1.75 grams. So half an eighth, it's all of our premium cannabis, never any 
trimmer shake, premium buds. Um, it's hand ground, hand rolled, just like you would kind of roll. Um, I almost say it's it's more of a blunt size than a joint. Uh, it's it's a big boy. Um, and they're in a pink Lazy Susan paper. They're also made in Denver, Lazy Susans, um, and they support breast cancer awareness. So I love working with them. And, and the pink obviously lines up there. Um, they don't use any saliva. Um, they use a paintbrush and water. And then the gluten-free noodle tip is the crutch. Um, so since it's gluten-free, it doesn't really get um, kind of wet and mushy like a regular noodle might. Um, and it's the spiralized noodle. So it has that perfect spiral airflow. You don't need to kind of twist the joint around like you normally would if you're smoking it. Um, and then the rip tips, Gordo Scientific is a super talented glass blower. He's local to Denver as well. Um, and he makes other glass as well, but his big thing is kind of these rip tips. Um, and they are a glass crutch tip that you can put in your joint. Um, they're reusable. You can kind of wash them after you smoke and, and keep using them. So they're more recyclable and sustainable than um, a regular joint tip. So I love that as well. I um, mean, we do collabs with him, you know, every so often. We did one at Cookies that was blue that had our logo on it, kind of that matched the Cookies brand. We did a black one um, in gold for Halloween. So we kind of do different colors and, and different collabs. And we just had two drop for 420. And um, we did one at Frost and one at Cookies Denver. Um, and this one was really cool. It was the first time we've ever done kind of a mix of tips. So it was more fun for the customer. You didn't know which one you were going to get as opposed to in the past, we've done like all of the same color and size. I'm in a box and those are super fun. People love Gordo and come out um, and we love working with him and doing pop-ups with him. That's definitely one of my personal favorite collabs that we do. Um, again, we work with Blazy Susan and use their pink papers. And um, we have some growth supply partners that we work with um, who really just help us in our grow and we do events with them. I mean, again, I, I really have found that having these partnerships and collabing with other brands is super important. For us, it helps us just build industry relationships and, and learn from other people that, you know, are really doing awesome with what they do. Um, and also it helps us kind of capitalize on their audience and maybe get our name in front of someone who wouldn't find us otherwise. Um, and I also feel like, you know, when you already trust in like a brand, if they're kind of repping someone, it, it builds out immediate trust. If you're like, oh, I, I kind of, you know, am, am willing to try it and, and kind of trust that if they're the saying that they're, you know, kind of on their level, then that I'm willing to try it. So I think that's been super valuable for us. Um, and we just work with some really great people and everyone in the industry is just so communal. And I think people really want to work together and, and see each other succeed and just, you know, spread awareness of the plant and education and that's really what we're trying to do so we love working with people that kind of have you know the same vision awesome yeah and as um i'm gluten-free and italian so i loved the new gluten-free noodle tips i thought was so cool um yes. it's those little details that matter and add up the fact that it doesn't get wet that it, it you know it's kind of sustainable as far as like you could compost it um and the recyclable or reusableness of the um, Gordo Scientific, you know, his tips as well. I've, I just think that's really cool. And it's those little things that really make a brand kind of stand out and stand apart. And also are very much so are in line with, with Malik's premium cannabis. I mean, those are premium offerings, those details, those things um, really are a different experience. And if you just have, you know, the, the rolling paper um, pre-rolls on kind of the cheap, I guess saliva-based, um, uh, pre-roll. So yeah, but I, I love that. Okay. So I want to ask a little bit about marketing with NFTs. It's a new 
uh, channel in the cannabis industry. I mean, NFTs are new in general, and we're actually doing a session at our upcoming Cannabis Marketing Summit this June 7th through 9th in Denver, um, of which Catherine is speaking. So if you're going to be there, you'll get to meet and see Catherine. But um, tell me a little bit about how you market and how you incorporate NFTs into your overall strategy. Definitely. So we use proof of presence NFTs. It's something I'm super excited about. Um, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. And it's something, especially in Colorado, um, not a lot of other brands are doing. I've seen some other kind of on a national level, but not really in our particular market too much. Um, so we do proof of presence NFTs. So you come to one of our events, we have a unique QR code there. I mean, you have to physically be there to scan that particular QR code. They're different for every event. We do a different graphic. Um, so it kind of creates that exclusivity of if you don't come out and come, um, you won't get that one. Um, you may get one at a different event, but it's not going to be, you know, the same design. And I design um, the NFTs and we really try and make them, um, you know. You design them? Yes. So I design them and then we work with J Lodo NFTs, um, super talented group of people that kind of help us. I say NFT it um, yeah. because <laughs> I, you know, do not know how to do that part of it. Um, but I designed the actual graphic. So, you know, I'll put kind of like what the event is, make something, you know, a graphic that's fitting to that particular event. Um, and then you just come out and you scan the QR code, you kind of register your wallet with your email address and a password. And then once you're set up with that, you can come out to any of the events and scan and you get your QR, QR code for that event and that NFT. Um, and it's just, it's on a wallet on your phone and you can look at them, show people. And then what we're starting to do is basically invite people to our smoke sessions or one of our events or, you know, something like that. If you have a certain amount of NFTs. Um, so for example, you know, usually those sessions that we do are private events. Um, and if you have five plus, you might be entered to win um, an invite to one of our sessions or a raffle or something like that. Um, so that's kind of how we're using them. Um, I have, you know, my collection, I think I have nine right now. I have all of them from all the ones that you've done and I just I love so. and seeing them, um, it's super cool. And something a lot of people ask us about, um, people definitely come to the pop-ups and walk up to our table and are like, I'm here to get the NFT or like, where's the NFT? Um, so that's been super exciting to see people coming out. Um, and as I mentioned at first, we just kind of were doing it as another, you know, platform of marketing, again, just something kind of cool a customer can have and take with them and kind of, you know, just continue to nurture that relationship. Um, we're kind of moving towards, again, kind of using it to continue, um, you know, building that relationship and kind of giving away prizes or invites and things like that. Um, so it's super exciting to see where we're going to go with it and kind of how the technology is going to evolve. Um, again, we're still kind of piloting things right now, but super excited to see where that goes. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I got one when I was at your cookies pop up um, and it was it was a really easy process as far as, you know, logging in, getting it and and seeing it was very cool. But it takes the brand from the physical. It's kind of that hybrid of you've got the physical product, the physical brand, the in-person, the connection, but also this way to connect through a digital community that isn't just social media. Um, and obviously with the, the Malik's colors, that bright pink, it, it, you know, it really resonates and is like very clear where this is coming from. So, um, that's really cool that you do that. And I didn't realize you were the one who designed it. <laughs> nice. That's always a fun, fun thing when I have an event coming up and I'm like, oh, I get to make an NFT graphic for this. Like, what do I yeah. want? Yeah. Yeah. New part of the job for sure. 
Um, so I'd like to ask you a little bit about some advice that you can share with young cannabis marketers who are perhaps new to the industry and looking to develop a brand, um, whether it's their personal brand, professional brand. Um, I, you know, I, I know you're, you're a young CMO as well. Um, I was as well when I first started in this space. So what's some advice you have for those maybe earlier in their career um, or just getting started as far as, you know, maybe things you wish you knew um, or things you did learn, you know, along the way? For sure. I think the number one most important thing is to find a mentor, um, someone that you trust, someone that you can go to and ask questions, someone who can give you advice, you know, look over your resume, look over your portfolio, just all of those little helpful things. Um, I found that having a mentor like that has been really helpful for me. And then I try and, you know, mentor those coming up beneath me, um, which has been really rewarding for me. Um, I think when you're trying to build a personal and professional brand, either or, it's super important to just be authentic. Um, and you have to be willing to put yourself out there, um, network, go to industry events, join groups, you know, like the CMA. Um, you just have to put yourself out there. Um, and I also would really recommend, you know, following industry Instagram accounts, subscribe to newsletters, you know, grab those magazines at the dispensary and kind of get yourself immersed in what's going on in the industry, um, what terms people are using, what trends are really impacting things right now. And I think it's super important in this industry in particular, um, again, to just really immerse yourself um, in what's going on and you know connect with other people in the industry as well i think that's you know really the most important thing is the relationships um that you build yeah very, very much so i i think uh this industry is for sure relationship based and it's still pretty small it's growing quickly but who you know is important you know what you know is important and things are changing so fast and they will continue to be um for a while that staying on top of what's happening is is a big deal and really critical i think for for cannabis marketers so um okay cool and do you have a mentor that you've like connected with or someone that you has been really helpful for you like how did how did you find and if so how did you find them like how did how do you go about that process yeah i mean not sure if you realize but i i consider you honestly you know a mentor to me you're super inspiring and i believe i I just kind of reached out to you um, and came to a CMA event, um, you know, as a, as a fellow female in cannabis, you know, you really inspired me. And then Gloria, who is the owner of Noble Farms, um, it is a farm out here in Washington. Um, she has also been, you know, super inspiring and a mentor to me. And I also met her, I'm um, just going to a cannabis event that I was invited to. Um, so again, you know, just going out to these events um, whether it's more of a sesh or like a conference or a CMA type, you know, educational event, um, joining industry Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. Um, these are kind of all the places that I've met these people who have impacted me um, and learned a lot. So that's really, you know, the best advice I can give. And just don't be afraid to reach out to people. I think people in this industry are super willing to help and want to talk um, to maybe younger people or people that are starting out um, and give their advice and insight and hopefully help the next generation of people in cannabis not make some of the mistakes and things that we made just from trial and error. Um, so, you know, that would just be my advice definitely is to just get out there, put yourself out there, reach out to people. If you think someone's inspiring or you want to ask someone about something that they're doing at their brand, you know, you just got to go for it. And the worst that can happen is they won't answer you and, and that's fine. Move on, try someone else. But I find most people um, in this industry are really willing to help out. Yeah. 
Definitely. And it's nice. And thank you. I didn't know that, but it is nice that like <laughs> events are coming back and, you know, we get to be in person again. I think the last two years were really rough for a lot of people, um, but particularly in our industry, when so many things are event-based and relationship-based that after, you know, doing things online for so long, it, it's really refreshing to get back in person. And I, I, you know, cannot wait for the summit in June and to see everybody and to, you know, do that and, and bring all these conversations to real life. So, um, yes, that is, that is awesome. So what are some of the ways, like, I want to kind of talk about the big picture as well that you think like the role that marketing plays in growing this industry, like what, what's the big picture here with everything that everyone is doing, um, do you like where marketing is going in cannabis? And if not, like what would be some suggestions you would have, or you want to see, you know, brands pay attention to a little bit more? Yeah, I think the way marketing is growing cannabis, you know, is really impactful. I think, you know, as more states continue to go from medical to rack or start medical, um, you know, either way, as more brands are entering the market, you know, the competition is already very tough. There's already barriers to entry. There's already a lot of competitors already. Um, and so as more and more enter, it's just going to obviously become more competitive. And I think companies will, you know, continue to need to innovate, um, offer new products, you know, market in different ways and just find ways to connect with customers that kind of, you know, creates that attachment. Um, I think in the cannabis industry, one of the most difficult things is people want to try a lot of products. So they might try your product and love it, but it's getting them to come back and buy it again instead of just, oh, I want to try something else now. So I think that that marketing piece and branding really comes into play there of kind of getting people, you know, attached with your brand because it aligns with their lifestyle. They want to continue to support you long term. So that's where I think it really plays the biggest role. Um, sorry, my dog's uh, up here with me. Um, some of the ways that I think maybe it can hold the industry back a little bit um, is just brands need to be really careful about, you know, being compliant with their marketing um, from, you know, getting fined to getting Instagram pages shut down. That can be super impactful um, just because it kind of kills your brand awareness immediately. Um, if you have an Instagram page, it has a lot of posts, a lot of followers, a lot of engagement, and that gets shut down and you have to start from square one, you know, having a page that has like 20 followers and a couple of posts just doesn't look as legitimate to customers and other brands that want to partner with you. Um, so that can really affect your brand. Um, so I think just making sure that you're staying compliant as, you know, companies scale their marketing. Um, and then also just losing sight of the product quality is something that I think really needs to be top of mind. Um, and the marketing needs to be balanced with, you know, the product. So it's kind of twofold. I think you can have the greatest cannabis product in the world. And if nobody knows about it, you know, that's not really going to get you anywhere. Um, at the same time, if you go out there and market your product really heavily and successfully, um, but customers try it and they don't have a good experience or what you marketed, you know, wasn't, you know, really what they had that experience with, um, that can actually really backfire and do more harm than good. Um, and if your product doesn't back what you're saying in your marketing, you know, that can cause a huge problem down the line. Um, so, you know, while marketing is again, obviously essential and I think playing a huge role in the industry, again, I think just, you know, making sure you're compliant and making sure that your actual product and brand is backing what you're putting out in your marketing and advertising. Those are kind of the two keys to keeping it, you know, going upward and not necessarily pulling things back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, 
it, it is a tough line. And I mean, there's the compliance side as far as the law in the physical locations and, you know, all the things you, you need to follow as well. But then there's also what's happening on Instagram and social media, which is a little bit more subjective as far as um, th they don't like the promotion of cannabis content in general. Um, definitely not anything that alludes to the sale. So when it comes to marketing, you're kind of walking this really fine line of what is, you know, content that would be compliant by law that isn't necessarily um, something Instagram wants on their platform or, or would, you know, take off anyways. And uh, consumers still very much so rely on social media and that community engagement to evaluate. I, I think you said it really well, like evaluate the legitimacy and quality of the brand based on their following um, the, the quality of the pictures that they're being posted and the content that's being put out there. So, you know, bringing back to our earlier point about having these things like your own channels, your own website, where you have full control over that content, can change it, can monitor the traffic and, you know, you're not subject to social media are really important as well to, to building that brand legitimacy. So if your accounts are to get shut down or something were to happen, you're still able to direct folks to a place where you control that message. Um, and they're able to engage and interact with you and, and learn about you. So, um, yeah, all very good points for sure. And where do you see the industry headed in the future? Um, uh, both industry and marketing, like where do you see the future of cannabis going? Um, and do you have any like fun, exciting, new or different marketing initiatives on your, um, timeline or horizon coming up? For sure. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think, you know, there will be federal legalization in the next year or so. But, you know, I'm hoping in three to five years, that's kind of where we're at. But in the meantime, you know, my hope for the future of cannabis um, is that it's safer for brands to operate and safer for customers to shop and consume cannabis. Um, you know, from banking regulations to security in the dispensaries, I mean, just that shopping experience for customers. Um, I know in Washington, there was recently a wave of, you know, violent robberies in dispensaries um, and people should not be going into a dispensary to legally buy cannabis and have to, you know, worry about their safety and worry about that. Um, so that's just really my hope um, and that no one is in prison for cannabis or, you know, can't get a job because they use cannabis. Um, you know, there's still a stigma, especially, I think, for professionals using cannabis, um, for parents using cannabis. And so I think we still have a lot of work to do um, with regards to just destigmatizing um, and doing policy reform, which is why we work with Last Prisoner Project, um, just to spread awareness for that cause. I mean, I'd also love to see more women in leadership in the industry. You know, I don't think there's enough of us as founders and, you know, executive level professionals, um, but we're getting there. So, you know, I think things are improving and growing every day. Um, I think cannabis being deemed essential during the pandemic was a huge step to kind of get that legitimacy and, and destigmatization. Um, and as far as marketing goes, I think, you know, again, continuing to kind of use these other platforms like NFTs, like Discord, um, like doing merch lines, um, you know, doing in-person events that are, you know, kind of coming back to being the norm. Um, I think those are kind of the places where you can have freer conversations um, and really show off your brand in a way that, you know, isn't as possible on Instagram. Um, so I think that's kind of where things are moving. Um, you know, we have some more apparel projects in the works, which I'm super excited about. Um, some other brand partnerships, um, some other events. We're doing a music festival at the end of May. So just things like that um, 
you know, I'm super excited about. We have a lot of things coming up soon. Um, and just continuing to grow and innovate in the industry. And again, you know, advocate for people being able to get, you know, safe access to cannabis education and cannabis products. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is uh, very much so the case. And I agree with you. I think uh, people love to think about uh, when is federal legalization going to happen? And it just seems to keep getting kind of kicked down the the timeline. And so, you know, in a way for small business owners, that gives them a time to you know, innovate, move forward, keep growing their business uh, while some of these, you know, bigger players aren't in this space yet um, from outside of the industry, but it, it, it does, you know, hinder what we can do um, and access to, to certain things as well. Um, okay. And then lastly, I actually wanted to ask you about your packaging. I know when you took me through a tour, when I was there uh, over 420, you had these packages that, um, basically these boxes where the top rips off and correct me if I'm wrong, but you've got your pre-rolls right in there. So they work to deliver to retailers, but they also literally work as a point of sale display. Can you tell us a little bit about your packaging, um, how you approach it and, you know, just kind of comment on the, the, how you approach packaging at Malik's? Sure. So all of our products are, you know, delivered to the dispensary in displayable boxes. So our apes come, um, in a box um, that's, you know, bright pink, it has our logo, it's branded, and then our hand rolls come in a branded box as well that, as you mentioned, um, is perforated and you can pull the top off and kind of fold it up um, and it has our logo on it. It kind of turns it into a beautiful display case where all the joints stand up and they can kind of be right there in the case or behind the glass, um, you know, as is. And then we also do one gram bud cones um, and they are also in a box where they're all kind of standing up and perforated and, and that can be displayed as well. Um, that's been super helpful for us. Uh, kind of, as you mentioned in Colorado, the norm is deli style. So most things aren't packaged. So I think it's a huge immediate differentiator to see, you know, a beautiful branded box um, and you can kind of see the individual packages and also, you know, see the brand logo and the colors um, as well. And again, people ask, like, what is that pink thing? You know, what are those pink tubes? Um, so it's been super valuable for us and just an immediate way to stand out, grab the consumer's attention. Um, and, you know, I think our product speaks for itself. They try it. They love it. Um, and they come back and or like, I want, you know, the Malik's again or the pink thing. And it's also really great. It's very shareable. People, you know post the packaging on their stories and tag us. Um, whereas a lot of times I think if you're getting something deli style or just like a pre-roll in a plain tube, for example, there's really not as much of, you know, a reason to share that. Um, so kind of from the shareability side and just grabbing and keeping the customer's attention, that's been super important for us. Um, and it's also, I think it just doubles down to, as you know, we have to put it in something to deliver it to the dispensary anyways. Um, so we're really just making the most out of the marketing opportunity at kind of every stage of the supply chain. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't discussed yet? Um, you know, I just kind of wanted to touch upon my favorite part of cannabis marketing, which I would just say is the fact that I'm never bored. Yeah. Um, well, in a lot of other industries, I feel like you're constantly, and this is what I experienced in the agency setting, which is kind of how I knew it wasn't for me. 
Um, you know, you're doing the same messaging on the same platforms, you know, the same kind of campaigns over and over again. Um, you know, I found working with a lot of different clients, you were doing the same thing for all of them. Um, and I actually had a manager say to me, you know, why are we trying to reinvent the wheel for, for these clients and their marketing strategies? Let's just keep doing the traditional marketing. We know it works well enough. Like it's fine. Um, and I feel like in cannabis, we're, we're almost encouraged to and, and have to reinvent the wheel all the time. Um, you know, traditional marketing tactics don't always work. Um, there's a lot of channels that other industries can use that aren't even available to us. Um, and there's a lot of barriers to marketing. You know, you need to make sure that a person's 21. You need to make sure they're in a legal state. You have to have these, you know, things on your website and your Instagram bios. Um, so you're always thinking outside the box um, to market effectively in a way that's exciting, but that's also compliant. And there's always something new to learn. You know, a lot of times you think you know something and then the, you know, the regulation changes or, you know, kind of the best practice evolves. Um, and you always have to be able to pivot, even if you think you have a marketing plan or a marketing strategy. Um, I guarantee that it'll never go exactly according to plan in this industry. Yeah. Um, and it just really keeps me on my toes and keeps me excited. And I feel like I'm always learning and growing kind of along with the brand, along with the industry, um, and along with all these other professionals um, in the industry as well. Um, so it's just really exciting. And I feel super fortunate to kind of, you know, have my dream job for my dream brand and continue to, as I said, just, you know, advocate for education and access um, and equity in the cannabis industry and super excited to kind of see where things go. I think, you know, it's only up from here and, you know, we're focused on kind of crushing Colorado for the moment, um, but super excited to see kind of where cannabis goes nationally. That's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you added that at the end. So Catherine, where can um, our listeners find you or Malik? Is there any Instagram handles or website you want to share? For sure. Our Instagram is Malik's underscore premium underscore cannabis. Um, and then we also have Malik's underscore hand rolls, which is the hand roll specific Instagram account. Um, our website is malikspremiumcannabis.com. You can find all of our locations, our event schedule, our drop schedule, strain profiles, more about our story um, on our website. And then we also are always posting on our Instagram, our events, where our pop-ups are, um, things like that. Feel free, anyone to add me on LinkedIn. If you have a question, DM the Instagram account. Um, we always love to answer people and, and reshare things that we're tagged in. Um, and yeah, we're across Colorado in dispensaries. You know, we're in Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, um, kind of all over. So check out our website and find the nearest dispensary to you. And if you need a strain recommendation or have any questions, please reach out. And we'd love to help you, you know, find the right strain for you. Awesome. And Catherine will be at the Cannabis Marketing Summit. She'll be speaking. Malik's uh, premium, premium Cannabis will be there um, at our Tuesday night welcome reception and pop-up. So if you haven't bought your tickets to the summit, make sure to join us in June in Denver. And I guarantee you're going to have a good time. Yes, we can't wait to be there. And I hope to see some of you and meet you and that everyone comes out. I'm super excited about it. Yes. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and sharing all of your insights. We really appreciate it. For sure. Thank you for having me and, and look for the pink pack out there. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Follow us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com. And be sure to join us in person this June 7th through 9th for the annual Cannabis Marketing Summit happening in Denver, Colorado. Check out our website for more details and membership information. We'll see you next time.